0: Whole Hog Sports presents the basketball podcast of Mid-America, the premier Arkansas hoops podcast brought to you by Landers Toyota of Northwest Arkansas. With Whole Hog Sports basketball analyst Scotty Bordelon, here's your host, Matt Jones.
1: Arkansas is 1-0. The Razorbacks beat North Dakota State 76-58 in their season opener on Monday. Not much time to rest. The Razorbacks turn around and they'll play Fordham Friday night at Bud Walton Arena. It'll be a 7 o'clock tip-off. The game will be on SEC Network Plus. Matt Jones with Scotty Bordelon and Andrew Joseph of wholehogsports.com. Scotty, let's start with you. North Dakota State game, Arkansas got off to a good start. North Dakota State kind of leveled it up there toward the end of the first half. And then Arkansas had a big run on either side of halftime that helped them really pull away. And and, and they led by a lot of points in that game and didn't have much of a, a problem in the second half. Trevin Brazil had a nice game in his first outing as a Razorback, 21 points, 12 rebounds. Ricky Council had 22 points, and they made it look, I don't know if easy is the right word, but they won comfortably even without playing with their best player or or the guy who we think is going to be their best player this year, Nick Smith, who was out with a knee injury.
2: Yeah, I think going into the game, I don't know if it was so much a concern, but it was definitely a question that I had about... You know even with nick who was going to be arkansas's second and third scoring options and then you go into your opener without nick so who is going to lead your offense who's going to be your you know second option on offense like it was even for me anyway where is the offense going to flow and who is the offense going to flow through and at least for one game anyway ricky council and, and trevin brazil you know filled those roles and Devo Davis I thought was was really good offensively he he was aggressive going to the rim i think i looked at one of the analytics site that, sites that site said i'm a subscriber to over i think it was 57% of his field goal attempts the other night were in the lane or at the rim that's a pretty good number for him it tells me he's not settling for jump shots and he's kind of shown these. He can be an inefficient jump shooter. I mean, he's had his his moments um, in the mid-range area before, but those three guys were really good. You saw how dynamic both Ricky and Trevin are. Um, Ricky, you know, put down a dunk the other night in traffic, you know, just on a – kind of, it was like a routine drive to the rim, and then he th- throws down a reverse dunk. Like I told the HS Sports Club on Wednesday, it's like, if you think that's normal, it's – I can – Guarantee you it's not. Like, I don't know that Arkansas has had an athlete as explosive as Ricky come through here in a long time, just in terms of just explosiveness going to the rim and maybe as acrobatic finishing at the rim as he is. And then Trevin's length is just otherworldly. And then he's explosive too. So when you combine, you know, like the seven plus wingspan with his long arms, um, the fact he's already 6'10". and you know he just i thought he attacked rebounds really well the other night and arkansas fans are going to ooh and ah you know over his rebounds and um you know wanting to put people on the rim all season long i just i think i think monday was just kind of a um a precursor for a lot of things to come for those guys Yeah, you mentioned not knowing who would be kind of that two and three
3: scoring option behind Nick Smith Jr. And I think it was interesting in the post game to hear Trevor Brazil's comments about how at Missouri he was more of a role player, but... the the Arkansas coaching staff wants him to shoulder a more offensive load than he uh, did in the past. And I think that their expectation is he's going to be that, that go-to guy if Nick Smith can't go. And uh, I I do think he has the talent level as he showed with the 21 points the 12 rebounds, which I think him, his rebounding is also going to be crucial to this team's success. Um, Ricky council with the 22 points, like we mentioned, I think that is probably a, a watermark for him. I don't expect him to score at that clip, uh, on an average like a nightly basis uh but i think you know his athleticism is otherworldly like scotty mentioned and if he can finish near the rim like he was doing against north dakota state that he's going to be really hard to stop just because he's so hard to stay in front of
2: i would agree with the point of ricky and his his offense i think it was just a kind of a product of the the game that arkansas the game plan arkansas had obviously was attack the rim they were far superior athletically than the North Dakota state. And they took full advantage of it. That's what you expect from Arkansas um, there. And I think Ricky did a great job of, you know, just taking advantage of matchups. Um, if I could add something else about Trevin, you know, he, he did a pretty good job. I thought of showing North Dakota state's defense that he could be a three level score. Like he was, I mean, he attacked the rim pretty well. I don't think he probably finished at the rim as well as he wanted to, but he definitely attacked it at times. And then he was the bulk of Arkansas's perimeter shooting. And so you got two of the three levels covered there and he didn't make the shots, but I really liked his mid-range jumpers around the, the elbows. And those are really, really clean looks and defenders have to kind of give him some space because at that point if he's if he's got the ball like he could take one dribble maybe spin move floater or you know lay up off the glass um but they've got they've got to respect that that part of his game too um you know the the, the area of the game where he can put the ball on the floor and so I think he's going to have some opportunities to knock down some mid-range jumpers he's got really good touch um the misses he had in the mid-range were soft misses um so it was like front of the rim And just, you know, didn't didn't fall in. But I think that's an area of his game that that he'll unlock pretty soon. And then if if he gets that, he's going to be, you know, a a real, real challenge to cover. We'll see how good North Dakota State is. They were 23
1: and 10 last year. They're in their ninth year under their head coach. Uh, So there's some familiarity there. It felt like they had some older players on that roster. Uh, As we record this, the game hasn't been played, but some of you might listen to this after the game is played. North Dakota State plays Thursday night in Lawrence against KU. That'll be a real good, you know, kind of early gauge of of how good I think North Dakota State is, uh, how they perform against Kansas at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, One of the big stories, if not the big story this week for Arkansas, of course, is Nick Smith out. Uh, They said that uh, he was held out of Monday's game uh, for precautionary reasons. They called it knee management. Uh, The the sound of it is that he's probably not going to play Friday night against Fordham. Scotty, how do you, how concerning do you think this is, uh, what's going on with Nick Smith right now?
2: No, I just think it's a, it's a challenging situation all the way around, right? So on Eric and Arkansas side, they worked really hard in recruiting him and getting him to trust them and sign. And now I think the coaching staff and everybody in the program wants to prove to people Nationally, that the program can not only get kids like Nick, but beat people with players of his caliber, if that makes sense. Um, there's no doubt in my mind about that. So, on the other hand, if we're being honest, like Nick is not most kids, and that knee is not like most knees that have come through here. Um, and so, if things work out for him, he's going to be a pro really soon. Nobody wants a long term injury to derail that. So, they're being cautious and managing that situation, Um, you know, they obviously want to take care of him because he's their guy. And I think they have to do things the right way too, to make sure that, you know, some other high profile guys they recruit now and down the line will feel comfortable, not only, you know, coming here and knowing they'll be taken care of in general, but if an injury was to happen to them, that they'll be good um, and taken care of and uh, managed the right way. I just assume it's kind of a deal where they're, there are plenty of voices in this, in this whole thing. Like, you know, Arkansas staff wants Nick to play, but they also, you know, want him to to take care of himself. Nick, obviously I think wants to play. I mean, he's too much of a competitor uh, to, to not, but I think, you know, his, everybody's got to keep his, his future in mind, you know? And um, I think that may be, where some of the frustrations coming in with Eric, And, you know, something else that might add to it is, you know, the guys that are actually playing right now are working and trying to develop a chemistry to win games now. And when the time comes for Nick to come back, there's going to be a little bit of a reset that happens because you're adding a big, big part of your team back into the mix who really changes kind of the complexion of who you are, especially on the offensive end. And, you know, from an on-court leadership perspective. So it's a, it's a layered situation, I think. Um, personally, I think we'll see him in Maui and maybe even next Wednesday here and there against South Dakota State. I just think that Maui trip is just too grand of a stage for Nick to maybe not play in. Um, maybe that's rushing him back and maybe I'm completely off on that. I just think that he's his competitive nature is such that he's gonna want to come back and play and try to get this team, you know up to the standard that Eric wants them to to play at maybe sooner than in years past. But yeah, I'm kind of curious for, for y'all's thoughts on it too, but I just think it's a, it's a complicated situation. I think that's the, when you watch Eric's press conferences and he's asked about Nick, you know, he just kind of goes to the point that we've got to get our healthy available bodies ready to go. Um, so I think there's a little bit of irritation there, but it's, it's not just one, one thing in particular. It's, it's a pretty layered deal.
1: I come at this from a baseball standpoint because I cover baseball so much. You see these, you know, really high profile baseball prospects after they get to college and, you know, sometimes they're, they're sophomore draft eligible, but more often it's their junior year when you see this. And if there's ever an injury, the people that they have kind of around them, they don't want that injury talked about openly. Uh, You know, whether it's an advisor, it's going to become their agent or someone who's going to kind of hook them up with an agent might be parents, you know, whoever is in kind of their circle, they don't want it talked about. And I kind of wonder if that might be what's going on with Nick Smith here and that Musselman, you know, is is kind of, I don't know if handcuffed is the word, but, you know, he's at a point where he's really not at liberty just to, to disclose a whole lot of information about what this injury is.
3: Yeah, I think we're kind of seeing that in, in football as well with K.J. Jefferson injured that Sam Pittman's not going to give the opposing team an inch and kind of give you an update on his status. He's going to leave it very vague as Eric Musselman's done saying he's going to leave it up to Nick Smith and leave it up to the trainers on when he'll be back. Uh, and I, I just think that's kind of a gamesmanship that you're going to get when you're talking, you're dealing with star players like Nick Smith Jr. And I think, everybody wants Nick to play. I think he wants to play his teammates want him to play. And I think the fans obviously want to see what he can bring to the table, but I think it's good for everyone else on the team that they were able to handle North Dakota state so easily without him. Uh, and I think it speaks volumes to where the program is at under Eric Musselman that you have, what was he like a top three recruit in the nation? And you, as you said, the North Dakota state game was not a dogfight. They made it look easy without him. And so I think that just kind of Eases the minds of fans that they're not so reliant on the star player, but if they and when they get him back, like that's a huge bonus
2: to have to an already a uh, good team. I think that Arkansas and both Nick's circle are trying to be smart about the way that the information about his injury is being disseminated, because Nick like I mentioned earlier, really high profile guy. Like if you look at the mock drafts and the evaluations of, you know, some of the, you know, best basketball minds in terms of analysts and then like actual decision makers and also the people who do mock drafts and things like that, he's a top five pick by on most accounts. Right. And so I don't, I think they want to be careful about information, specific information about the injury getting out because they don't want potentially down the line, like say in the spring or the time leading up to the draft, they don't want there to be maybe a cloud of uncertainty just about his health maybe that could diminish maybe his draft stock a little bit. Because, I mean, you see it all the time. I feel like in right around draft time, you know, somebody will say that they really like a guy, but he's got this knee deal. Or, but he's, you know, he's had foot injuries in the past. Or, you know, like in football, like he's had – uh, like Tua Tonga for example, like hip injury in college, and you know Bryce Young might get knocked a little bit for the shoulder injury that he had this year. So I think they're going to be really careful about what they let get out. And there's probably, if you're looking for clarity or much many specifics on the injury, probably not going to get it, um, just unless there's some kind of a behind the scenes agreement between, you know, Arkansas and Nick Circle and his people. Um, about it getting out there, but I would I would not expect, you know, a w- whole lot of specifics uh, to come out about that just, just for the reasons I listed.
1: And if you're wondering why that is, uh, looking at the NBA draft uh, salaries out of the players who were drafted earlier this year for the fifth overall pick in the NBA draft, a signing bonus of about $7.2 you get down to number 10, $4.8 it's a It's a really big deal. And and these are the types of, of situations or, you know, obviously um, these types of situations can really impact how teams feel about a player. So you certainly understand why there's such sensitivity about it. Smith is not the only player who's injured uh, leading up to the forum game. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, Trevin Brazil, Anthony Black. They both had uh, ankle injuries after the game the other night against North Dakota State. And uh, uh, Ricky Council has got a little bit of an elbow injury, Scotty.
2: Yeah, I knew that Ricky went down for a minute against uh, North Dakota State, but I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. I didn't know if he was cramping, but the way that he was like la- laying belly down on the floor, I didn't feel like it was a it was a calf cramp or or anything. If it was a, you know, a ha- a Charlie horse or something or a a, um, a hamstring cramp, like you, that would have been pretty noticeable. Um, and Eric said, or Eric said on Wednesday, that it was an elbow. So I guess he he must have landed awkwardly or just had it hit inadvertently. Um, so that's that's something to keep an eye on. I think Anthony Black, you know, his ankle, kind of a freak deal. Trevin Brazil's ankle roll was really unfortunate because he's going up boxing out on a free throw attempt from north for North Dakota State and he's going up to get his tenth rebound, get that double double under his belt. And he just like no one no one really around him and he just rolled his ankle. That's just the it's just the the freaky the freakish nature of those injuries was just kind of stunning to me more than anything else. And I know somebody on our Facebook account said that Eric Musselman on Wednesday sounded like Sam Pittman talking about how banged up his team was, but some of the frustration with Eric in terms of the injuries is just probably the the freakish nature of them. Like you can't really control them. Um, and it's not, I know basketball plays, you know, 30 plus games a year, but it's, I don't know. It's in football, you kind of understand guys being banged up just because that's the nature of the beast playing, a, you know, the most physical sport in the world. Um, but Basketball, it can be a little bit more unlucky at times and, and, and freakish things like that can happen. If there's a guy that I'm maybe a little bit concerned with not playing on Friday and we don't have any official word on this, it's just kind of my gut. It would be Trevin just because of his, his frame. Um, Not the, I guess, not the, the stockiest built guy, um, a little bit thin and slender um, in his frame. And you just kind of wonder how that ankle is, is reacting, you know, a few days after rolling it but i think anthony black and i think anthony black came back in on monday after he rolled his ankle so i think he's going to be okay they tried to take it pretty light with some of those guys and and get him as much rest and treatment as possible so we'll see but I, th- I think if i had to bet i would i would guess that at least a b and ricky go on friday
1: the basketball podcast of mid-america is brought to you by lander's toyota of northwest arkansas Visit their showroom at 411 South Metro Parkway in Rogers or online at LandersToyotaNWA.com.
0: For all your automotive needs, shop Landers Toyota NWA in Rogers, where we guarantee you the best buying experience and best service after the sale in Arkansas. Landers Toyota NWA in Rogers. WholeHogSports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at WholeHogSports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today, WholeHogSports.com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today.
1: Arkansas plays Fordham Friday night at Bud Walton arena, seven o'clock tip off. It's going to be cold in Fayetteville. So being inside, will be a good place to be. The Rams went 16 and 16 last year. They're in their first year under a new head coach. Scotty, tell us more about Fordham.
2: Yeah. So it seemed like the, the scout from Eric on Wednesday is they've got a pretty talented guard, Darius Quisenberry. He's, um, six senior guards he's he's been around the block a time or two he was you know, a pretty good player um for fordham last season i think he was sixth in the atlantic 10 in scoring and that was his first year after um starting his career and transferring from youngstown state at youngstown state he was a two-time all horizon league player um, so pretty talented kid and he looks at least on paper i was looking at ken palm earlier at the, the box score from their opener uh, they beat Dartmouth by fourteen the other night. He took almost thirty-three percent of that team's shots when he was on the floor and he played a, a pretty good chunk of their minutes. So he he's a he's a he's the the guy that Eric has designated their star player. And I just I just posted a f five things to watch for the game on Friday night type of column on the website. And one of them is just how Arkansas defends Fordham's star player and it's it's Quisenberry and Eric I think about 30 seconds into his first answer, just kind of summing up the game the other night in his press conference, he was pretty disappointed with the way Arkansas handled Grant Nelson, who he thought was North Dakota State's best player. Um, So he's trying to, I think right now, pound it into the guys that, you know, we've had a lot of success here in the last two or three years because we've been so, so good at, at, if not shutting down, at least limiting imposing teams, best players and their, their best perimeter weapons and inside guys and all that. So I think the attention to detail needs to be there. And he said they've got Fordham's got five guys that they classify as red light shooters, which means you know Arkansas's got to pay you know really close attention uh, to those guys anytime they they you know have the have the ball on the perimeter or maybe running off the screens, whether it's curls and flares and and that kind of thing. So uh, just this team's just got to pay attention to the the little details, and if they do, I think um, I think they might be able to cruise on Friday like they did Monday. Yeah, I think Arkansas has put a lot of um,
3: time and effort into scheduling their non-conference games in a, in a way that are going to pro, uh, be productive for them in the long run and I don't think maybe the opponents don't look great on paper but then somehow half of them end up making the NCAA tournament and so I mean they know what they're doing when they're scheduling these opponents and I think we talked earlier about when Arkansas would really have their its first, its first true test of the season and I think someone maybe said it would be Louisville and they're in Maui but then they just had that big loss to uh, Bellarmine I don't even know if I said that right so that's should tell you how bad of a loss that is but i think that arkansas's first maybe true test of the season might not come until that second game in maui if it's texas tech
1: or creighton yeah that louisville loss uh not their first high profile loss this year they also lost to a division two team during the preseason that game seems a lot more winnable right now when arkansas gets out onto the island against hawaii hey speaking of the maui invitational of course, that's the big high profile non-conference event this year for Arkansas. Scotty, this morning, uh, you wrote that they're going to go to San Diego in November of 2024 in kind of their next big non-conference event after the battle for Atlantis next year.
2: You think Eric Musselman's excited about going to San Diego? I think he might be. I think he is too. And that, that not really surprising to me. And it, and like, just some of the specifics. It's a four-team, two-game multi-team event in San Diego. I think it's at the Jenny Craig Pavilion in San Diego. Um, Arkansas is going to play a couple of games. I think it's on their first game will be on Thanksgiving Day in 2024, and then their second will be the day after Thanksgiving, and then they'll they'll wrap it up and and come back home. But it just that game or that that their involvement in that multi-team event just kind of continues. You know, what looks like a, a a recent trend, especially with Eric, that he wants his teams to play and he's going to schedule some pretty, you know, high quality, um, you know, early season tournaments for his team to get them tested for, you know, the back half of the schedule, you know, where, you know, that, you know, that, that part of your season can make or break your season. Uh, But in the early season, it's just all about all about getting prepared. And we don't know who's going to be in that field yet. But I think there's there's some pretty good teams in the inaugural tournament next year. I think USC, um, Seton Hall, Iowa, and I think there's another one I'm forgetting. But Southern California, yeah, Southern California, going to be some pretty good teams in, in Arkansas's field. I would I would imagine.
1: Yeah, you know, the the games in Kansas City last year, the games in Maui this year, those were actually scheduled uh, by Mike Anderson and his staff. And then Musselman kind of inherited, you know, those contracts. And and certainly, you know, nobody's going to want to get going to to Maui. That's the kind of the premier tournament, I think. Battle for Atlantis, it it might be the number two tournament at this point. And and they go there next year in a field that looks really good, includes North Carolina and some other basketball uh, top programs.
2: Yeah, the 2023 Battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. Arkansas is going to play three games there, and we found out—I think it was back in May or June—that the the field there is going to have North Carolina, Villanova, Michigan, Memphis, Oklahoma, Stanford, and Northern Iowa. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter which three teams that Arkansas plays there. They're going to get they're going to get tested, um, and it's going to be a chance for Arkansas to get a get an early resume win.
1: Now, I think Oklahoma has backed out of the the battle for Atlantis. I think Texas Tech is going to go down there now, which is kind of weird because it seems like Arkansas and Texas Tech can't get away from each other. They could potentially play the second game in Maui. Uh, Obviously, they played in the tournament a couple of years ago. There was a chance they could have played in the tournament uh, last year. It it seems like those two teams are kind of, uh, I don't know, like shadowing each other right now. Maybe they're going to San Diego, too.
2: Yeah, I just think I, th- I kind of think they're they're similarly built programs. You know, even even with Texas Tech's coaching change, like they've got Mark Adams there now. But Texas Tech was a team that made a, a pretty nice run in the NCAA tournament last year. I remember when um, you know after Arkansas beat Gonzaga in the Sweet 16, Duke and Texas Tech was the game that was being played in the Chase Center right after it. So that 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 program's on the on the up and up, kind of like you know, the same way that Arkansas is, um, I wouldn't be opposed to to seeing Arkansas and Texas Tech play in the future in some you know big twelve SEC challenge type games. I think Arkansas went down there. Was it was it Mike Anderson's last year or next to last year? It's a really, really fun game. The atmosphere in Lubbock is unreal. Mm-hmm. And Eric talked about before the Texas game, you know, I asked him about some, his his history with Chris Beard. and Eric took a Nevada team, I think it was in 2016-17 season, so 2016, late in that year, um, in 2016, took a team down there. I think Nevada was ranked in the top 25 for the first time in like a decade, and they lost to Texas Tech in overtime. And he said – Eric said that that the student section down there was rocking it was one of the best regular season game atmospheres that he's ever been a part of. And um, I just th- – I think it's good for the game, like if you can get two programs that are built – like they are on toughness defense physicality discipline all that um and you get it always helps to have some some really high caliber talented players too that are probably going to be you know that might make up you know part of the future of the nba too so i wouldn't definitely not be opposed to that yeah and speaking of texas tech
3: and arkansas kind of copying each other i think Something that Arkansas should take after Texas Tech is that student section. I saw a video on Twitter the other day from who was it? Jeff Haxton, and he posted this video of the student section in Tech, and it just looks insane. Like they've got a section obviously behind the basket, which I think is a better placement for a student section anyway. But then they've also got like levels, like just rows and rows against st- of students instead of just the one set up along the the court that Arkansas has
2: the Texas Tech atmosphere last year when Chris Beard came back in his first year with Texas was absolutely electric and i remember i remember Texas Tech that night had some guys i guess in their um in their video staff that had like some really really high high res cameras just right behind one of the players in the pregame right before the game tipped off and if there's ever like a there's ever like a game that could have an opponent feel like he's like the mr Krabs meme where it seems like everything around him is dizzy and just spinning and blurry um it would probably be that atmosphere i think arkansas and texas Tech could could both you know fill up fill up their arenas if if a game were to happen
1: i'd call it downright frightening for texas whatever they went back to lubbock last year with chris beard Uh, by the way i wrote this in the magazine this week in in our basketball preview at hogs illustrated uh New student seating is coming to Bud Walton Arena. That's part of the uh, renovation plans. We don't know when the renovation is going to happen to Bud Walton. It's going to be a real large-scale renovation, but we know that that is in the works. And as part of that renovation, you're going to see the student seating moved around inside the arena. I know that's something that uh, is definitely on their radar. Uh, By the way, Arkansas played Texas Tech in Mike Anderson's last year in Lubbock. Uh, They also played Texas Tech here in Fayetteville as part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge four years before that so uh, these two teams have seen each other quite a bit over the years and it's always a great series all-time arkansas and texas tech have played 80 times and both of those teams have, have won 40. again arkansas and fordham On Friday night, SEC Network Plus, 7 o'clock tip-off. Hope you'll come to WholeHogSports.com before, during, after the game for our basketball coverage. Of course, it's a big SEC football weekend here in Fayetteville as well. With LSU being in town, we'll have our Whole Hog football podcast preview of that game on Friday on this same podcast channel and plenty of Arkansas LSU coverage at our site as well. For Andrew Joseph and Scotty Bortilon, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America.
0: Seating has been a production of wholehogsports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at wholehogsports.com for the latest news and commentary.